morning, everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here today on Conscious Business Zone with my new friend, Nicole Carr. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Kathy. How are you today? I'm so, so happy to talk to you again. We got to meet at the International Association for Near-Death Studies mm -hmm. event that was in uh, outside of Washington, D.C., uh, just a, almost a month ago. My goodness, this month's gone so fast. And um, and I can't wait to hear more about your story and learn about um, your experience because Nicole is a perfect example of someone who has um, been in both worlds and has uh, figured out a way to combine the um, esoteric world, the mystical world that we that's available to all of us with the real world and do real work in the world. So I, I, I love that you do that. And I can't wait for people to learn from you. Oh, so thank so, you. So why don't we start, if you'd like, with your story so people can get to know um, what happened? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Okay. Thank you okay. for having me on your show. And it oh, was a delight to meet you at the conference. And for those of you who have never been to the IANS conference, I really do su support you in trying to get to at least one in your lifetime because it is a wealth of information and validation that we are, um, you know, a spiritual being at our core. And that the main message is that ultimately we are all love and we are all oneness and so that ties in directly to one of the lessons that is very common with ndes that everyone and everything is connected we are all energy and you can see that in recent um uh, recent uh, episodes like the fires in Canada, uh, that air really affected New York, DC. It came all the way down to South Carolina and I live in North Carolina. So you can see what's happening in one part of the world is affecting lots, millions and millions of other people and they're breathing. The same with water. These are all shared resources. We are all connected. And so we need to take, um, charge and become more aware that we need to do better with respecting mother earth respecting all sentient beings and of course respecting each other as humans okay now that being said <laughs> i will tell you about my story um, of an nde and it didn't happen to me just once at the scene of a crash not twice but i actually had three near-death near experiences oh my all in a four month period of time. And this was a time in my life, I was 19 years old. Now think back when you were 19 years old, okay? None of us think anything bad is gonna happen to us, especially death. And I clearly was not thinking on that Sunday evening that I could die, that I would never make it back to my dorm room at the United States Air Force Academy, which I was one of the first classes of female cadets. So what happened was this, I was in my sophomore year at the academy and we were at a squadron function to celebrate our sophomore or the new year. And I was getting a ride back with a senior cadet who I didn't know very well. And most of the cadets had been drinking, alcohol had been provided and we were the last to leave. So he had a Corvette convertible and I will tell you growing up, I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, which is part of the Bible Belt. So a very conservative area, religiously and politically. And I will tell you, um, I had never been on a date. And then I go to school at in Colorado Springs and all of a sudden I'm with 4,000 guys, okay? And so my, my dad's rules were no smoking, no drinking and no dating cadets, okay? And I'm just like, well, there's no fun there. Uh, so this was the one time I decided I'm gonna have some fun. So this guy, I didn't realize had a whole different agenda. He wanted to stop and have a couple of drink, more drinks at a bar nearby. And then I realized he wanted to make out. And then that's when I was like, we got to get back to the academy. We're going to be late. We're going to get in trouble. We have a curfew. And so um, what happened was the bartender asked him at the, at the little bar we were at, 
are you okay to drive? And he said, yes. And he got in the car and then he wanted to stop and watch the, the sun set at the Rocky Mountains, which is when I realized, okay, he's got an agenda to make out with me and that is not going to fly with me. So I said, no, we're getting back on the road. And then the next thing I remember was waking up in the ICU at Penrose Community Hospital. Wow. He had a 1965 Corvette convertible. This is what it looked like. Oh my God. If, if everybody can see that. Yep. Okay. Um, that's the passenger side. Clearly, that is unsurvivable. And in my case, it was unsurvivable. Um, I was later able to piece back my entire story that I have written in my book, You Are Deathless, A Near-Death Experience Taught Me How to Fully Live and Not Fear Death. Now, this book took me 13 years to write, okay? And I want you to notice up here in my uh, credentials, I've got BTDT, and people go, what is that? I've never heard of that. They know that that's a dietitian, RDN, Masters in Public Health. That is my most favorite credential. Been there, done that, and I think each of you should put that on your resume if you've had a major experience in life because that <laughs> enables you to be compassionate and empathetic and sympathetic to people when you have actually experienced something. You know, and for me, having had a near-death experience, I came back transformed. And every single person that has an NDE, whether they realize it or not, they come back transformed. You are not the same person you were when you left this planet. And it takes a while to integrate that transformation and align it in your body. But going back to that Sunday night, August the 28th, I just passed my 40 year anniversary marked with that. And that just blows me away. It's been 40 years. But it, there's not a day that has gone by that I don't think about that crash or the impact that it's had in my life. What happened, and I pieced this together through talking to the EMT. He came to my hospital um, 10 weeks later. I got the medical records. I got the district attorney uh, records. Um, I got written statements um, from, I went back 25 years later and met my surgeon. I met the EMT and I met my uh, primary nurse. And I actually did an interview with each of them and what they were called. And ironically, you're not going to believe this, Kathy, but no one has ever come back and thanked them like I did oh. for what they did, because these are my angels. And I have had many angels in my life, but these were clearly angels that were sent to me because they were all very quirky people in their own right. But I was pronounced dead at the scene when the crash happened. We didn't have seatbelts. The car didn't even have it. And thank God, because it wound up flipping and lit and landing on its top. Now, I was I flew off into a ditch, and there were some. Uh, there was a house nearby that heard the crash. They called nine one one. They came out. They couldn't get any vitals on me, so they went back and they covered me up with a blanket. So by the time the first responders got there, it was ten to thirteen minutes that I was, quote, clinically dead. And when the EMT that was working on me, John Hartling, who I still stay in touch with to this day, he's 83 years old, um, he said when he got there, he couldn't get any vitals either. So the last thing he did was a sternal knuckle press, which for those of you who do not know what that is, it's designed to elicit pain in the body and they just take their knuckles and go straight up your sternum. And if you can just do that now, you realize how much that hurts. The only sign of life that John was able to get out of me was my right pupil dilated. It flinched wow. dilated. Now, have you guys ever heard of the saying, your eyes are the window to your soul? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. At that moment, my soul, which had flown out of my body when I went through the windshield into the air, that's when my energy body cracked and my soul flew out because I knew I was going to die when I hit the ground. I knew it. And I cried out, oh, my God, help me. And my this angel, and in the book, I call him Casper the Friendly Ghost. 
But I will tell you now, last, last August, after the book was published, my grandfather came to me. I smelled cigar smoke one evening and I was like, no one in this house smokes cigars. And then I heard this voice, Nicole, and I'm like, oh my God, where's this coming from? And, and it was my grandfather on my dad's side. And he said, it's time to tell you that Casper was actually me. I'm the angel um, that came down and brought you back up to, you might want to call it heaven, wherever you want to call it. It was this place where there are other angelic beings, spirit guides. So you have to remember, I was not in my physical body. I was in spirit form. Okay. So um, I went up with him. And then when I did, my memory of all of this came back 19 years later. So for this whole 19 years between age 20 and 30, uh, not 19 and 39, basically, I had no memory except bright white lights. Wow. And my surgeon reassured me that that was not the operating room lights. I was totally unconscious. So he said when he got to the scene, he he, he knew that there was life in me because of my right pupil dilating. That's the only sign. Now, as soon as that happened, Kathy, my blood pressure all of a sudden came up. It went to 60 over zero. Okay, now that's still really, really critically low because normal is 120 over 80. But the point is the life force came back into me. Okay, and it started they started CPR right away. They got me to the nearest community hospital, which I will tell you, it was not equipped to handle massive trauma, but they didn't care. They were just trying to save me. Uh, massive injuries. I cut, amputated my left foot. I severed my right wrist. I broke my pelvis on both sides. I had a fourth degree laceration between my anal and sphincter muscle. Um, I lost all of my feeling down in that part of my body because when my memory came back 19 years later while working at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta, I went to Starbucks, normal day. All of a sudden, boom, I saw myself to how I was sitting in the car as in the passenger seat. My right leg was up on the dashboard and my left leg was crossed over. OK, and I was laying back. So it makes sense now to me how I cut my foot off, how I injured all the, the insides of my legs, but it wound up saving my spine and my head. So at that point, then I decided to go to my body worker chiropractor and not go to work. And I sat in his office until he could fit me in. And he said, Nicole, these are repressed memories that are finally coming up. Oh. And I'm like, 19 years later, I am now remembering the details of this crash when all I have remembered is bright white lights. And he said, yeah, I'm like, how does that even happen? He said, because your body finally feels safe enough for the memories to come up and you finally have support to deal with the trauma. And those are two key elements in trauma. You have to have a sense of safety in your body. Your body keeps the score. That is a great book for trauma by Dr. Bessel van der Kolf. And for anybody that is dealing with trauma, I highly recommend that book. But your body remembers it all, okay? And so when you feel safe enough in your body, and I had done a lot of work prior to that with therapy, with, um, you know, I will tell you, um, the things that I had done in those 20 years was I got myself into therapy. I've also done modalities like, uh, neuroemotional experience, ENDR, all these things that are looking at unconscious belief systems that no longer serve you. Because my body was operating in fear from the moment of that crash on. Wow. And then when I remembered, I was like, oh my gosh, am I like making this up? You know, it, it's hard. Just society doesn't support many of us who have had. Um, decades of not remembering something and then all of a sudden it comes up right whether it's sexual abuse or whatever it is people question you you know like how can that be so and it well, is the way well, i just want to say i think it's more that you can't figure out a way to integrate it um because societies out there they're they're 
they're doing whatever they're doing. But but as far as us, when we have a paranormal or a um, spiritually transformative experience or um, any any um, expanded consciousness experience, we don't know how to integrate it into this walking, talking. That's why when I started the conversation with you, I mean, look at what you've done and, and been use that light that you know of to make a difference in the world. Not everybody was able to do that. Some people almost become schizophrenic yes. when they when they do that. And you had um, the 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 guidance and the knowing to integrate and to process it rather than stuff it more, because that's the the choice is to to keep quiet. Oh no, what will people think? Or to help people with your experience, right? Oh, exactly. And, and I have to go back and say that mental health is so, so vital and crucial to get help with that. Okay. Sure. I had physical wounds that took me a year of rehab to recover from that. Lots of surgeries. Okay. Um, you know, the initial near death experience was me going over to the other side, remembering, uh, my my guide my angel that took me there knowing i did not want to come back okay um i heard other and it's it's interesting because it's like it's not through words it wasn't an english conversation i i heard but there were angels next to me that were talking and it was more vibration or tele telepathically or just you know that i could understand that part of their message was we have to ask them for help because we live in a society that has free will we have choices um we need to ask the angels for help they are all up there willing wanting and begging us in a sense to ask them for help and so one of my messages to you is to start developing, if you have not already, a, a relationship with the angels. They come in many forms, but we all have at least one guardian angel. And to start asking for help, even if it is something as small as a parking space. I know people laugh at me when I say that, but every time I ask, I get a parking space. Okay, so nothing is too small for the angels. And if you learn to start asking, and start developing a relationship you realize you're not alone in this world and that you have help and that you get this guidance but you have to do it consistently and you have to remember that it's not all about you and you trying to figure it out okay because when you're in fear which drives a lot of our decisions you're not going to make the decision that is for your highest and greatest good you're not going to have a sense of clarity and unfortunately a lot of us make decisions based out of fear that part of our brain the amygdala which is your fight flight freeze part instead of up here in your prefrontal cortex which is your executive decision making and so you've got to that's the parasympathetic you've got to get that engaged so you can rest and digest and think through the situation instead of the sympathetic nervous system taking over and just making these reactive decisions okay so, so that's really important to ask the angels but then the angel told me nicole you're going to go back and i was like oh no 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 you don't understand i don't want to get back in that body and i could see my body it was in a ditch i could see the clothes i was wearing it had a a teal azad shirt on with khaki shorts and i could see i could see my corpse basically and i'm just like that's got way too many physical injuries that are going to be painful and suffering for my entire life and the fact that i've got to go live with my parents again because now i'm back to a state of infancy i cannot walk i can't go to the bathroom and after four months in the hospital i had to go home and learn how to walk and all of that again so that was eight months of more of therapy and my parents had the understanding that if you're physically able to walk and function that you're okay 
And the doctor had reassured my mother when I left after four months, Nicole needs to follow up with psychiatry and psycho, uh, psychological help. This has been a horrific trauma for her. She has faced a lot of life and death situations. She has a lot of limitations and she's going to need help working through all of that. And my mother looked at the doctor and said, Jesus is our psychiatrist and she will be just fine. Well, I have to tell you, people, I was not fine. Jesus or God or both of them, they never showed up on my sofa and said, Nicole, let's talk about the trauma that you've been through. And I, as a result and the result of anybody going through trauma that does not get the help and support to help heal those trauma, traumatic wounds, your body will cope in an unhealthy way. And mine did it by developing an eating disorder. And back in the 80s, it was called compulsive overeating. So I hated myself at the root because my parents blamed me for making the decision to get in the car with somebody who was later found out to be drunk. Okay. And so they told me basically, you made a stupid, you made a bad decision. So you know, you, you get the results that you get. And so that hurt more than anything was to feel like I lost the trust, the love, the approval that I worked so hard to get by even getting accepted into the academy by my father and to be blamed and to be judged. And yet they are such devout Christians. I just couldn't understand that. And Later, when I understood, when my memory came back, that God is love, period, end of sentence, okay? <laughs> I was raised Southern Baptist and Lutheran. So I had a lot of religion in my life, and they all taught that God was duality, that on one side, God is loving, he's protective, he's there for you you just pray and ask and it will be given unto you ask and it will be given unto you seeking ye shall find knock and it will be open okay i i mean i can quote it all i was in bible drill okay i had to know all that stuff and when i got to the other side um that was not my experience at all god was not judgeful this God was not an old white man up in heaven taking notes about everything you're doing wrong. Yeah. Um, God was, a, it was a presence. It was an energy. And that's what that white light was that you are consumed in. It was just pure bliss. Like I was an astronaut floating in space that had nothing to worry about. Um, you know, I think, death in our society, if you look at almost every book written, it's cloaked in this veil of doom and gloom. And death has a cloud of depression and negativity around it throughout our culture and society. And my own experience, along with hundreds of thousands of others, is 100% different. Right. De death is absolute beauty. It's light, loving kindness, a sense of peace that passes all understanding on the other side. And it is pure positivity. And I really got it that, oh my gosh, the religion, the organized religions that I grew up in just filled me with fear about God. Mm -hmm. And in fear, once again, we are not going to be able to make decisions for our highest and greatest good. So, our energy systems, our nervous systems are running on fear instead of faith and believing that we are these beautiful, beautiful souls who have the capacity to do anything. But when we're in fear, we're not going to be able to believe that about ourselves. So in my opinion, I have an alternative to God, and that is let go of all the fear the judgment, the condemnation, um, you know, the wrath of God is going to come down on you if you don't follow these rules, because every freaking religion seemed to have a rule, a whole set of rules that were, they all included the Ten Commandments. But other than that, they also had other rules like the Baptist in dance and all that kind of stuff. 
And what I realized is that that was all man-made and it's man-made because fear, uh, if you're in fear, then you can be controlled. And that's the ultimate, um, what I think uh, issue has been with, with organized religions was the need to control people and to make them feel like they felt if, if something didn't work out, they weren't good enough, they didn't pray hard enough, it was on them. And so that keeps your self-esteem really, really low. And you don't get to step into the power and the presence of who you really are, which is this amazing, amazing, beautiful soul. And, and I think that that's important to understand that any message related to the concept of God that instills fear in you, in my opinion, is not of God. Right. Well, I, the thing that do, doing all of this uh, volunteer work and reading all these near-death experience um, uh, programs and books is, and, and listening to all these wonderful talks is that you become so aware that you have you have that you don't need an intermediary. You can right. go straight to the source. But a lot of times, as I said, you were able to um, integrate it after you got through the fear and re-remembering re, uh, 20 years later, 19 years later, your experience, you were able then to integrate it and use it in a practical way with other people and integrate it. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think... Um, even people that are doing um, doing uh, journeys or they're doing um, um, it's not necessarily um, spiritually transformative experiences. However, they do it through breathing, through yoga, through meditation. They're still have it's a disorienting experience seeing the reality of the create the the higher realm of this the wider perspective of this and then what we've created here and uh, yeah. it's, it's so different could you talk a little bit about that because i think that would help so many people going through all these changes and waking up to um to uh, the love that they are right now um what your journey would be really helpful for them Sure. First of all, I will tell you, I was disconnected from my head and my body. So from an emotional standpoint, you need to get these emotions embodied in you. So if you are thinking your emotions, I, you know, I think I feel angry at this person or whatever, but you're not embodying it, meaning feeling it in your body and being able to express the emotion, you need to start there and start finding ways to emote or express and get this alignment in place. Because ultimately in the spiritually transformative experience, I had to work on aligning my mind, my body, my spirit, and my soul. And it doesn't happen all at once linear healing is not linear. So don't expect bing, magic. It takes time because what you're doing is you're unraveling these old belief systems that are not serving you. And to do that, they're unconscious. You usually need some help to get at the root issue of the belief system that is sabotaging you from being able to move forward and have what you want in your life to be the being that you were created to be. So that's number one. Number two, I had to get away from organized religion. Okay. Because that just kept triggering me. And so what I did um, for, I went to all these churches before my memory came back, trying to find the right church. And I never did. The closest thing I found was unity, but still it wasn't what I had experienced. So what I have found it in is nature. And I will tell you my most aha uh, downloads have been in a setting of nature. So connect with the beauty of mother earth and nature. There is nowhere that God is not. 
nowhere. So like you're saying before, Kathy, you don't need an external uh, anything to get to God. We are all eternal sparks of God. Every single one of us, it is within us. So redefine your concept with God. And I tell you, this has been very hard for me because my parents still believe in a literal translation of the Bible. They're very religious. I would say they're, they're addicts. And we no longer have a relationship because they don't understand my experience and how God can just be love and that that's it. And I'm just like, I don't, I can't talk about them telling me that I'm uh, blasphemous or I'm this, that, or the other. So we no longer uh, have a relationship. And that's been one of the hardest things to do is to have to let go of family and friends that don't support me, criticize me, judge me for what I am speaking out, which is my truth, my experience, and what a more pleasant experience it is than growing up and always being in fear of not following a rule or doing something right and that you're going to go to hell. Hell is on earth, okay? And when people say, is there a hell? I say, hell no, there is not. You know, it is it is on earth with people suffering and, and people in pain, you know? And so um, once again, that's another thing. So when someone says, what is your concept of God? Try to put that in words that work for you. And in my book, I talk about when I was working with my private practice, I had a little six-year-old girl who was adopted, came from a fundamentalist uh, church background and she was having nightmares because she thought she did something bad and she was going to go to hell and she would never see her family again. So when I asked her how she sees God, she eagerly told me God is a blue spirit with colors and balloons and all different colors, no head and can talk. <laughs> I, I love that, you know, and she inspired me. Now, clearly your own experience of God will probably look nothing like hers or mine, but I hope my story can give you the encouragement to continue on your path to keep defining that so that at the end, there is no fear because your beliefs about God shape your relationship with death. And at the end of the day, if you are fearing death, there's going to be resistance. And that is what I'm hoping my book and my message is, is that you don't die. Your soul, that breath goes on and on and on and lives forever. And that joins this huge, we are all one consciousness. Okay. And that's the beauty of this is we live on and everything that we're doing here on this earth in this lifetime it matters okay your thoughts matter your actions matter your behaviors you know so it's time that we start awakening to who we really are and to start having a dialogue with your soul you know most people including myself that was another thing i had to come to an understanding with was what is my soul and how do I interact with it? And one good thing to start with is if you journal, I get it from Lee Harris. He says, what does my soul want to tell me today? Start your journal that way. And if you don't get anything, do it again the next day and the next day and keep at it because your relationship is with that soul, that soul part of you that lives on. And it's that eternal self which includes all of your lives, your experiences, and the whole you. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I love that. Um, I I love the idea that um, the path is so clear. It, well, it's actually so easy that it's <laughs> it's hard to believe it's that easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it seems quite simple, but yet. It's taken me four decades. I mean, my entire adulthood since 19 to really get to this point where I'm talking to you today and have the clarity and the discernment 
and had the ability. I mean, my book was just published last year and yeah. I'm delighted to say it's a national bestseller. And I think it is because I wrote it from my heart. I wasn't reading, I wasn't writing it to please anyone. And in the writing process, I actually was healing myself. But I talk about my compulsive eating and how much that affected my life for 20 years. I didn't get married till I was 40 because I was so focused on, you know, the food and the body image and all of that, because at the core of that was the pain of hating myself for a decision I made at 19, which my parents blame me for. And so it's been a long journey. And then come to find out my roommate from the Air Force Academy, 39 years later, okay, she quit the Academy that following Christmas. I did not know that. She came to the hospital almost every day to see me. We connected uh on zoom with my other two roommates and for the first time she said nicole i'm so sorry i said margaret what are you sorry about she said i caused the crash and i said no you didn't you weren't driving it was the driver he was drunk and he was you know this that and the other and she said no she said don't you remember and i said remember what she said we had an agreement we were gonna go back together we were going to drive back together. And so when the event was over, you came over to me and said, okay, I'm ready to go back. And I told you that I was going to drive another senior back because he was drunk and I really liked him and I wanted to make out with him and I didn't want you around. So there was one car left and it was this guy in his Corvette convertible. And I told you to go over and ask him for a ride back. Oh, wow. And you told me, well, he's been drinking. And I said, they've all been drinking, Nicole. Go have some fun once in your life. And she never saw me back at the academy. So she quit because of the guilt that she felt for not doing what she said she would do and just give me a ride back. She goes, Nicole, both of our lives would have been so different if I would have just done what I said and just driven you back to the academy. But wow, she wow. never she never knew the guy was going to stop for more alcohol. She never knew what his agenda was. She didn't know him. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. And she said, you didn't remember that part? I said, no. Um, and she said, I thought you were always angry at me all these years. Oh, wow. So, you know, there's there's so many layers to this. And it's been hard because she has carried this guilt around for something that she didn't do. She didn't know that that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's an important lesson in communication. And when there are things that happen, uh, traumatic things to make sure that there's a clear understanding between parties of exactly what your perception, what your experience was, because she was thinking I knew something that I didn't know and remember. Wow. Wow. Well, um, you have to assume that your soul before it embodied picked this uh, storyline for you to experience. You picked your parents, you picked everything. And um, so she was just doing her part in the play, but, but, oh, wow, that's, that's heavy. You know, it is, it is heavy. And I will tell you my soul, I went to the Air Force Academy to please my father. And I talk about this in the book about I, that we ascribe identities to ourselves. And I was a people pleaser and it's, I survived through childhood being a people pleaser, but as I've grown up, it's worked against me. And so I want people out there who have these identities that they're this, you know, the, the wonderful mother, or all these different uh, identities to really take a look and see if you strip them away, who you really are at your core, because with people pleasing at the end of the day, you're going to feel like a roach that got stomped on. You got nothing. Okay. I could never please my mother, never get it right. Okay. And so that's what you wind up dealing with. And then I think for me, it has been a long road to really recover from people pleasing because I thought I was getting, you know, good job, Nicole, you know, and it doesn't serve you. So, 
And it doesn't teach you to be honest and to develop your own opinion. You're telling people what you think you want them to hear. Right. And that is not being able to speak your truth, which is going to sit in your body somewhere until sometime, at some point it will develop into dis-ease. Wow. Wow. So I, when I read that you were um, a cadet, I thought, oh, you're feisty. I mean, for a woman, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea that you were doing it to please someone else. But, yeah. but the thing is, is that whatever that um, capacity to, to get in, um, whether or not it was um, people pleasing or not, you were in good shape and, and good grades and clean cut. And, and you had all the things that, that have served you in a long, in your whole life. But what you find is that those, um, I call them outfits. They're like, um, that you put on the outfit. Like I, I ran a division of Arthur Anderson where I had 80 employees under me. And it was like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm just gonna put on my my pantsuit or my skirt suit. <laughs> and, and then you become this persona yeah. And and as we've grown up, we we can shed that, but it served us at some level to learn something or to interact. Um, but if it's all to try to get unconditional love, that isn't the path to unconditional love, which you learned by um, experiencing the white light and experiencing your grandfather, um, the cigar smoke and you experienced that. So how could you help people understand how they might without having to have a near death experience? Because I wouldn't wish the the physical trauma on anybody, but but the connection that you have, how how do people get a chance to experience that without the other? Do you, do yeah. you have suggestions? Yeah. First of all, I want to also address something called soul loss. So I don't know if people understand that, but it's, we have physical wounds. Okay. So I had all these, you know, uh, my arm was broken. My foot was ampy, all of those things. So the physically you could see the wounds and they had taken time to heal mentally. I had PTSD, anxiety, depression, uh, manifesting in an eating disorder. Okay. So those are wounds that I've had to address is my PTSD um, and all of that. And it's taken me a long time and different types of therapy that I've had to experiment with medications, all of that. So I've gone down a long road with that, but I also want people to know there's something called spiritual wounds as well. And it's a spiritual loss. And I wish I had known this way back when and could have worked on it. And they're symptoms of soul loss. And I'm going to briefly just tell you, the first one is I didn't want to be here. So if you have a feeling that you don't want to be on this planet, that may be an indicator that you're suffering from soul loss, which is when your soul fractures in order to protect yourself, okay, with a major trauma. And I knew this when my memory came back that I didn't want to come back to this body and this life that I knew that was going to be filled with pain and suffering. I just didn't want to. And I tried during an operation to go back again. I had a code blue. That was the second near death. My heart stopped for two minutes. They called time of death, told my parents I was dead. And then my heart started up two minutes later on its own. Okay. And that was my angel again, James. He caught me. I was leaving my body. I was going to the other side again. And he said, no, you got to get back in that body. So I tried a couple more times to escape to that other side that I so wanted to just be in. Second, mm -hmm. a low level, consistent feeling that something is missing. And it's interesting to note that many of the compulsive behaviors or addictions fall into this statement. And for me, I can now clearly see the link between my compulsive eating and my feeling of emptiness in my life because mm -hmm. I didn't have a soul connection, a, a connection to the angels in the spiritual realm and to God. And the third symptom would be, I cannot get over it. Okay. I just cannot get over this. And it can manifest in chronic or a wasting illness such as anorexia, uh, which I was in 2015. And so I just felt stuck with all these chronic health conditions and hyper vigilant about keeping myself safe. Okay. Because I was 
under the illusion that I, if I could control things, that nothing bad would ever happen to me again. So when we neglect these fragmented, these hurt fragmented par parts of, the, of our soul and just go on with life, you can feel depression, you can feel just a host of different symptoms. So what you can do about that is seek help. You can do it through hypnotherapy. You can do it through a shamanic um, process with soul retrieval. Um, you can look that up on Google and, and try to understand that this is a spiritual wound that needs healing. And when you start coming together with all of that, your physical, your emotional, your spiritual, then your alignment comes in and you get grounded and you get really your clarity, your discernment and your life just starts changing around for the, you start feeling happy again and joyful. But like I said, it's taken me almost four decades to get to this point. And soul retrieval is a powerful tool that works. And we have to remember that we're dealing with, the spiritual or the hidden realm. And I'm here to tell you, it's a very real thing. Yep. 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 Well, I, I haven't had a near death experience. I've had spiritually transformative experiences and I had one really big one, 20, 20, almost 20 years ago. And, um, what I find is that every morning when I wake up, I, I remember it. It's in my mind's eye. And mm -hmm. I, um, so do you find that too, now that you've been able to recover a lot of your memory and reconnect yourself, um, do you find that that white light, that remembrance of the white light um, uh, affects the way that you walk in the world? Absolutely. I am paying attention now to signs, to nature. I talk to trees. Okay. I, I, I just embrace that and animals. I've never owned any animals. And now we adopted during the pandemic, my husband and I, two Pekingese dogs. Uh, oh. And so I have fallen in love with these little creatures. And so I'm expanding my heart. Okay. And I'm embracing the love that is there. And in doing so, I love myself. And I will tell you, when you love yourself, you feel free yep. because there are not these expectations that others have put on you that you've internalized and now have put on yourself. And you've, I have quit taking on other people's emotions and their energies. I really work hard on my every day to make sure that I'm not absorbing as a sensitive person and someone who is really sensitive to toxicity and energy, um, negative energy is to make sure that I stay every single day clear with my own energy and my own emotions and not taking on others. And that's really important for those of you who are sensitive. Otherwise you take theirs on and you think it's yours and it's not. Well, also it doesn't serve because all you're doing is amplifying the negative instead of the positive. If you that's take right. it on and release it, that's, you know, good. That's great. Well, um, so do you find that um, your, the soul, the soul reconnection gave you your life's purpose and that's why you wrote the book? Was there was there a journey? I mean, obviously, your your books are huge healing. Almost every we publish books in my um, agency, and what what I find is almost everybody's first book is always, you know, oh my gosh, I'm writing it down for the first time. It's like a confession almost. <laughs> and you have to come to terms with it. Like, yes. what was my what was my thought process? My worldview is so different then to now but but did you get your like a soul mission um because well, absolutely write this and then to really be able to speak about it after you've had such a um traditional um uh professional career um except for the been there done that part. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, I, I, love it. I know it's great um i will tell you I knew when my memory came back because my angel used the word mission. He said, your mission in life is to tell people not to be afraid of death. Perfect. So there it was given to me 
very clear, like a crystal, very clear. I heard it. And I, at that point, that was 20 years ago. I was like, how in the world am I supposed to do that? That's a huge message, you know? And, and at that point I was just like, well, how do I, how do I even do this? And so I started writing a book um, and I, you know, I took courses. I went to Hay House Writers Workshops. I hired a writing coach. I mean, I did all this, but I wasn't connected from the head to the body. I was still disconnected emotionally. Mm -hmm. And once I started working through neuroemotional technique mainly, uh, and also therapy and to move those emotions through my body and to start really feeling it, I was able to then write this book from a truly emotional standpoint. And that is why I think it's so successful is that it really has that emotional tie that people can relate to. And I got it, a real clear message from spirit. You're not writing this book for your family because my family doesn't believe it. They believe that you have to go through Jesus as your savior to get to God. And it's not my job to change their view. My job is to present this alternative view that no, you don't need that. If you want it, that's fine. But my experience was God is already within you. You do not need anything external. And Jesus is someone I see as a way shower. If we could all live like Jesus uh, preached and taught, my goodness, we wouldn't be having the division that we have in this world and the polarization and the wars in the name of God. None of that would be happening because one of the most important things Jesus said is judge not lest you be judged. So let's first start with ourselves. Quit judging yourself. Take should out of your vocabulary. Don't should yourself and don't should your children or your spouse or your family or anybody that they should be doing something this way because you are basically shaming them. And that is one of the lowest vibrations when you shame someone else or yourself. So when you quit judging yourself and just go, oh, wait a minute. Instead of shaming and judging myself, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to yeah. love myself. I didn't know any better. You know, this is a learning opportunity. And we all come here to evolve as souls. None of us come here perfect. Uh, well, we wouldn't be here if we had already passed on to that. First yeah. um, <laughs> school. Well, well, I love that. Thank you so much. I think that the um, the idea that so many of us are coming together now to give a different picture, yeah, get out of the fear virus of um, what we've gone through this past three years. It's just been um, relentless and see that the, the path to joy is really through love and, mm -hmm. and that you see what I love about all these beautiful people I've met through IONS is I've really met these people, they're courageous. After they had their near-death experience or their spiritually transformative experience, they weren't looking outside for validation. They were going for it. Whatever connection they had with their own knowing, they were putting it into action. There's a woman, um, 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 uh, um, I think of her, um, Ingrid um, Hunkala, who died, um, she drowned at four, and now she is like a NASA underwater marine biologist. I mean, there's people that, you know, you, you would think, oh, I'd never go to water if I had died yeah. in water. But, but I mean, you see it time and time again where these people are standing proud and they know that they have everything they need. They're not do you do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, absolutely. Yes. But people when you're in people that already know that and are going for it and can cheer each other along. Yeah, I will tell you, you're never alone. There is a whole spiritual world there that is with you at all times. And you will realize that when you transition to death, if you don't realize that in the here and now. And that's what I want people to do is start preparing. My book is an excellent book club book. And I say that and there are questions at the end because we are a culture of death denial. We don't think it's going to happen to us, but <laughs> we have had so many mass shootings in this country that we never know. Now, this is another fear. You go out, you don't know if you're going to come back home. But if we in your book club 
could talk about what is your concept of death? You know, has anybody in the group had a near death experience they're willing to share? There's lots of questions that I put in here to prompt you uh, because it's a difficult subject to talk about. And I want it to start coming into the light and to help change the worldview and vibration and cultural misunderstanding surrounding death and to see it as one of positivity that we're going into. And when we do that, we transform our life. So please um, put it out to your book club to do this and you will get to know these people on a really intimate level that you have never had with a group before. Well, I love that. I love that um, it's fearless in lots of ways and it's people can go for it while they're here. The, the joy of the journey, This, if this is a school and consciousness wants to expand itself and we're like a little USB <laughs> into consciousness, it wants us to do stuff in, other to, in order to grow and expand. So, you know, when you hear these incredible stories and you see what um, the people like Nicole have done that have really made a difference in the world and touched thousands and thousands of people with beautiful messages, you really, you really get a different viewpoint of what this reality is. It, it, mm -hmm. it isn't it isn't all what the media would have you say, you think. It no. isn't this, this, we're not going to hell in a handbasket. We are actually um, expanding and growing and um, changing the vibration along with the earth to be in a whole different era of uh, love that is possible yes. here, right? I completely agree with you on that. And I, I want to also add, if you use my book as a book club, I, if I can get in your time zone, right, I would be happy to zoom in and be a part of that discussion. Oh, I'm willing, wow. I'm willing to do that, to share my time to do that. Oh, that would be great. Well, I, I hope everyone will get your book and I hope that people will go to your website. What's the best ways to reach you, Nicole? Through my website. So okay. NicoleKerr.com. Yeah, there's a contact and you can put that in there. And I would be happy to I respond to all my messages. Um, I'm, I'm a one woman show here. So um, but you can also join me on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and keep up with me there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I hope everyone does. Um, uh, do a little bit of uh, self-reflection after this conversation and maybe share it with other people because there's so many different worldviews that are available and we really, really, truly want to empower everyone to have the best time they can while they're here. And, yes. uh, it, and that's that's a big part of this. I'm getting chills. Um, um, you know, the idea that we're all divine beings and to um, spend the time to find that divine spark mm -hmm. inside of you that is the gift that um, that you are and enjoy that journey rather than think that everything is in the next chapter. <laughs> no, no, you have to live forever right now because we never know. That's the thing about death. We never know when it's going to happen. So that's why we need to prepare ourselves on so many levels for it and not to fear it and discuss it with our family, our friends and uh, bring it out into the open. Right, right. Well, thank you so much. And again, it's Nicole Carr. Dot com and I have put it in the comments and on the description. So I hope you will uh, pick up her book. And if you are in a book club, um, see if other people are brave enough yeah. <laughs> to have the discussion. Because um, as you can see with what we've gone through the past couple of years, that that there's a lot of people transitioning and a lot of misunderstanding about it. And, and this is um, this is our chance to really wake up to a much bigger reality of love and joy. So, yeah, you know, they used to say that uh, the only thing that we all had was death, a shared experience was death and taxes. And a lot of people get out of taxes. So I say now the only <laughs> shared experience are is death. So we're all going to have it. And so it's important to start having these discussions. And um, 
Yeah. yeah. And I want yeah. everyone to always know that you are an eternal spark of God whose soul is radiant and everlasting and yes. you are indeed love. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You blessed my day. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, well, I hope again, please share this and please sign up um, to hear more things on the YouTube channel if you get a chance.